The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. Good mornings are not just throwaways. This is the day which the Lord has made. So that's why we say good morning, because it is a good morning. Too often we throw away greetings, or else we don't even make them. When we greet a person, when we greet one another, we are inviting a real conversation. We are inviting a connection with another human person. Sometimes out in the community, you might even actually see people as they're texting on their iPhones or adjusting their Facebook status. You might see them from time to time actually look up and actually talk to one another. It's a novel concept. You don't see it much anymore on the streets. But you will see that actually from time to time where they will stop and go, oh, hi. A police psychologist friend of mine uh, says that this is isonection. He's kind of coined a word here. He says we are digitally connected and personally isolated. Does that kind of ring true with the way this age is going? We are so digitally connected with one another. Oh, I have five bajillion friends on my Facebook page. You know, I'm on my Twitter account all the time. But yet, how connected are we actually? Do we actually greet one another? Do we actually connect as human beings? Human persons are nurtured by eye contact, by touch, and by a gentle voice speaking to them. A person-to-person -person greeting to anyone, especially someone who needs it. A person-to-person -person greeting invites that. We need to greet one another. We need to be connected. Back in the 60s, best I can remember, and I really can't remember this very well, um, we greeted one another with something like, hey, where you at, man? Anybody remember that? You know, hey, where you at, man? Now, we were not asking, uh, sir, where are you physically located? For we could see that the person was in front of us. When we were asking that, when we said, hey, man, where you at? There was a more personal, existential thing that we were asking. And not to push this too far, but you might have translated it, where is that mysterious thing that is your person? Are you in a good place or in a not-so-good place? Where are you at, man? Forgive the grammar, but perhaps that's a good question for us to ask some, to each other from time to time. Where are you? Where are you at? We have come now to the season, the holy season of Advent. That is where we are. Notice I didn't say that's where we're at. Um, I, I dropped that off a long time ago. But that is where we are. We are in the season of Advent. The Lord looked down from heaven to see where men and women, who he had created in his image, where they were at. He was sad when he saw from heaven that the mystery of the human person on earth was defaced 
defaced like a work of art that had been vandalized, cut with a jagged knife, and graffitied with obscenities. And worse yet, we had done this graffiti, this cutting, this degeneration. We had done it to ourselves, each of us by our own personal choice. And so that is why God came to Adam in the cool of the evening. And he said, Adam, where are you? What a good greeting. What a good way to connect, to find out where another human being is. Adam, where are you? He asked where we were existentially. He asked where we were in our being, where we are at. And as St. Athanasius observed, he could not endure to leave the race of men left where they were. Left to our sins where we were, we were in a bad place and it was about to get much worse. He asked where we were because he had created us on earth to be where he is in heaven. He had not created us to stay stuck where we were he had created us to be with him. He created us to be at his holy table in the kingdom of God. But we could not get from where we were at that point back to where he is in the holy place. So he came. He came to where we were to bring us where he is. He has come to where you are today. We heard in the gospel, Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man. Chrysostom said that Jesus was looking for men. He was looking like a hunter after his quarry. I love that illustration. He was hunting for his apostles. He was hunting for men and women so that he could draw them to himself. He is hunting today for you. He has come to your streets. He has come to your workplace and he greets you. He met Matthew sitting at the Hebrew Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I just can't, I, I have a cousin who was an Internal Revenue um, agent, you know, actually had a gun and a badge and went out there and investigated people. I, I just can't imagine Jesus coming to the IRS office. Anyway. <laughs> but he comes to wherever we are, whatever place it is, even if it is a place that we mock, that we others judge. He comes to those places also. He comes to the campus and he greets you. He comes to your house and he greets you. He has come for us and the incarnation starts with a greeting. Hail, favored one. It started with that. It began with that greeting. Hail. Do we greet one another that way? He has come for us where we are, but he will not leave us where we are. If he finds you sick, if he finds you bruised and wounded, he will be with you and he will comfort you. He will begin to heal you in this life and he will complete your healing in the kingdom. If he finds you a sinner, which, come to think of it, that's how he finds us all, doesn't he? If he finds you a sinner, 
then he will hear your confession like the good priest that he is, and he will give you forgiveness through the sacramental life of the church. And contrary to what some preach today, he does not affirm us in our sin. He does not ordain and institutionalize sin. He has come to deliver us from sin, to deliver us unto something that is wholly better. We might be inclined to think sometimes that we don't have sin. Sometimes as we sit here, having made perhaps a little bit of progress, we think we don't have sin anymore all of a sudden. And perhaps we really don't need a savior much. That was the Pharisees' opinion of themselves. But before I judge even them, I must be reminded that from time to time I think that way. We all from time to time think that way. So we ought not even to judge them. The blessed Saint Matthew, who we celebrate today, was not like this. Like the psalmist, he knew his sin as he sat there. He knew his sin, and his sin was ever before him. As he sat in the tax office, in the deep and silent places of his heart, he knew the painful sickness of his sin. Do we know the painful sickness of our sin? Do you know yours? I do know mine. Matthew knew his sickness. And when the physician came and greeted him, he greeted him and he said, follow me. He did not say, let's enumerate everything, let's, uh, let's get this all taken care of. I want to make sure we're in complete agreement doctrinally. And um, uh, by, by the way, are you a member of the correct jurisdiction? He did not say that. He said, follow me. Where he was, from where he was, he said, follow me. And Matthew did not perseverate. He did not hem and haw. He did not go, well, gee, I have to do that. He jumped up. He jumped up from where he was and followed him because the Lord said, follow me from where you are to where I am. He moved from where he was to where the cure was. And as he moved toward Christ, his cure, he did not find judgment from Jesus, but he found mercy and forgiveness. For every time we move from where we are in our sins, from that place inside where we're stuck, where we know we ought not to be, but that's where we are. Every time we move from that place toward Christ, Every time we place ourselves in front of that icon with the priest stole over our head, when we have moved from our sin toward Christ, we find that he has moved toward us. And that is the advent that we are celebrating. He has come to us. He has moved toward us. When we repent, he greets us with mercy and compassion, good doctor that he is. Do we greet the world with mercy and compassion? Do we dare to say to the world, follow me? Do we all together as church dare to say to the world, follow me? Are we merciful enough? 
Are we compassionate enough? Have we freed ourselves from judgment? Or do we judge them only, demanding that they first produce some sort of sacrifice before we will sit down with them, before we will talk to them? Do we demand some sort of, of sacrifice on their part without making one on our part? Compare this with the heavenly feast at Matthew's house. Jerome called this feast, this day, he called it the banquet of sinners. I loved that when I read it. It's like the, temp, it's like the, uh, um, uh, the, the uh, liturgy on the street that Chrysostom spoke of in one place. The banquet of sinners. St. Chromatius said, Matthew's house can be viewed as the church comprising both publicans and sinners with the Lord and his disciples seated at the table. Do we dare to extend such grace to our neighbors? If the kingdom is to come, we must extend that grace. If we are to say outreaching to our neighbors, if we are to preach a gospel that says anything less then come here and we will be gracious to you. It may not happen. Where I am today, where each of us is today, the Lord passes by and he calls to our heart. Jesus greets each of us today and he invites us to follow him. We will be changed. He will not leave us in our sin where we are, but he invites us nonetheless. He invites us to follow him. I have friends out there in the world that ought to be here meeting him this Advent. As we prepare in our hearts a place to receive Jesus this Advent, may we open our house like Matthew. May our house be like Matthew's house. May it be a place where sinners come to meet Jesus. To his glory. Amen.